Welcome to the Grace Long Beach Podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that, lo- but that he loved us and had sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. For if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world." There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Kids, you are dismissed to King's Quest as the rest of us are seated. My name is Daniel Long. I'm a pastor here at Grace. And we're going to open up God's word, um, 1 John 4. And I want to pray. And what I want to pray and ask that God would do... Is, is speak to us in such a way that, that we might go from this place, um, from our time together here, from hearing God's word, from our singing together, into the week, that we might be wanting and desiring um, to engage the God who so longs to engage with us. Um, so we're, let, me, let me pray and we'll get into, into the text. God, you are a God who speaks. Thank you that that's true. You are the God who loves. Thank you that that is also true. Give us ears to hear today. Help our hearts and our lives to be open to the love you want to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have this strong sense today, this morning, in kind of preparation for this time and praying. I just had this sense, and this doesn't always happen. 
that there are some here today who um, don't know what to make of this. What's going on? It seems maybe a little bit strange, a little odd. You guys sing, we sing together. Um, there's a guy who goes up and, um, I mean, he, he's good looking, but he's, he, he's going to be, he's talking uh, and saying words. And, and, and so I don't really know what to make of this. I don't know if this is your first time at church or maybe you're kind of exploring what this is all about. Uh, but I have this sense that through a, a conversation, um, through God's word and, and talking about God's love, that, that this might be an opportunity today for you to, um, to enter into that, to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, so, I don't know. I hope that that's true. And if, you f- if there's something that's maybe taking place internally, uh, maybe a nudge or um, something that rings true, that might be God, God speaking to you and wanting you to experience the, the love that he so, so lavishly pours upon us. So 1 John 4, I don't know if you were listening, but you can't not listen to that um, passage and, and, and realize, oh, he is just being so redundant. It's just this love, it's like he just throws in love everywhere. Just, you know, a few words, love, and then God, love, and it's just all over the place. But the astonishing thing about this text is that it makes this claim that God is love. That to actually understand love, you need to look through the lens of God. That God and his relationship to the world, as we see in scripture, as we see in our lives, is the interpretive framework of how to make sense of what love is. We're starting a new series, and the series is titled, If God So Loved Us. And for over four weeks, we're going to be looking at different aspects of God's love. And we're going to be kind of landing here. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. Every week, for the next four weeks, we're going to be hearing that passage read. And I encourage you to be reading that passage on a regular basis um, for the next four weeks and, and be praying and asking that the words that are written there, the words that you read, the words that you hear read, that they might become true, that they might become something that you actually experience. Imagine if we were a community, a church family, that actually believed that God loved us. Completely, wholeheartedly, that that is the message that God wants to share. That God loves you, that God loves me, that God loves us. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. That is where we will be, and it is my prayer that we together might enter into that journey and experience the love of God afresh, and that it would be the thing that transforms us. Um, I wrote something this week, and I sent it out, and I don't know if you read it. Um, I have no, like, high view that you, oh, email from Daniel, for sure, I'm going to read it. It's going to be great. But in in case you didn't, what I named in there is is that um, in trying to figure out or discern what might God be wanting to say to us, I don't know if you know this, but I don't. I don't know. Um, and, And I need help, and we need help to kind of discern God's voice. And so a few of us got together to be praying how might God be wanting to speak to us as we kind of enter into this new year? And one of the overwhelming senses that many of us had was we need to start with 
the love of God. That needs to be the place that from which we, we kind of go into this year as we kind of move into our lives together as a church family and into our life with God. And 1 John 4 was the place we landed because that is precisely what this text does. Is It says it all begins, the Christian life, the spiritual life begins and ends with the love of God. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, on page 1023 of the Blue Bibles um, that are underneath you. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I want to stop there. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. In this is love. It begins here. Not that we've been so wonderfully loving toward God, but it begins with the fact that God loves us. This is where our identity as Christians actually begins. This is where our life with God needs to start. But but is that where it often starts? My fear in coming to a passage like this is we can hear that, okay, God is love, God loves us, and we can think, aren't we beyond that? I mean, yes, okay, this guy is always talking about how much God loves us and how God is with us. Can't we talk about something else? But 1 John 4 seems to say this is, this is the message. This is the thing that we as Christians need to know. This letter of 1 John, I mean, it's kind of, it's, not, it's written in, in not to a specific church, perhaps to a group of churches, and it has this real pastoral tone. And over and over and over again, it's wanting to assure people who have, been, who have found their lives and identity in Jesus what's true of them, to give them assurance, their identity, who are they. And it takes this really incredible tone here in, in this passage Here's what you need to know about who you are in Jesus. You are loved by God. Imagine for a moment this, or ask yourself this question. How does God view you? If you were to take a moment to consider the ways in which God might view you, what would come to mind? Or maybe a different question If I was to ask you, how is your spiritual life going? How is your life with God going? How would you respond to that? Is it possible that you're like me? When somebody asks that question, I start to think, I've been doing pretty good praying, I think. Uh, Reading the Bible. (laughs) Could be better. Um, How are you loving others? I'm really trying. Are you gossiping? Another question. Um, and, you, you know, it's easy to, like, you start to, to, to think about all of these ways. How is my spiritual life going? What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Is that where you begin? Because that's not where First John begins. The question of how is your spiritual life going seems to, to, to begin with, well, 
God loves me, and he has sent his son to die on behalf of the world, to take care of the sin and the evil of the world, and I find myself in that stream, is that the place where you begin? Or is it in all of these other things that that we think that we add on to our life with God? Because if we turn, if we turn what makes sense of our life with God into things that we do, then the Christian life will never be the light burden and easy yoke that Jesus says it is. Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is only true if we begin from the place that God loves us. That is the place to begin life with God. So again, how is your spiritual life going? What is your sense of yourself in relationship to God? Brennan Manning, a Franciscan priest who had a lifelong struggle with alcoholism, made it his life purpose to always talk about God's love. Somebody who desperately needed to be reminded of it himself. He says this, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn or deserve it. This is my deepest awareness of myself, he says. Is that the deepest awareness of yourself? Is that what you find most true about you? Or do you measure your life with God by these things that you do or are not doing? Because if that's true, then it's actually flipped from how it's supposed to be, of how First John suggests it should be. This is love. Not that we first loved God, but that he first loved us. That's the gospel. Amen. David Benner, he's a Christian psychologist who is also concerned with this sense of of how we think about God's love. And he says this, Christianity is the world's great love religion. If you miss that, You miss its essence and will always end up emphasizing the wrong thing. The heart of its good news is that God comes to us as love, in love, for love, wooing us with love, and working our transformation through love. This idea that God's love somehow is the thing that transforms our hearts, beginning there, is actually what makes our hearts more aligned with who God is and how he works. It reminds me of the, of the film Magnolia. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like this epic on the human condition. And really, so many of the different characters are struggling to, to receive love, give love, and all of their past kind of creeps into the present as ways of, of barriers to love. And there's this one character in the film named Claudia. Claudia is a drug addict. She's very promiscuous. And, and because of her past, she can't actually believe that she has any, any sense of, of that she adds anything to the world that she could actually be loved. And then along comes this man named Jim. And he's this police officer. He's actually a Christian. And, and he meets Claudia through this weird chain of events. And, and when he meets her, she's actually like, 
he, he knocks on the door, says the police are here, the music's too loud, somebody called them, and, and she has to go clean up her table, which is filled with drugs. And, and he, he walks in, and, and immediately he's like stunned by this woman. He's, he just finds himself wanting to connect with her. And then he, he ends up asking her out on a date. And so they go to this restaurant, and you can tell she's really nervous. And she begins to talk about how she, she can't do this. This affection that this man is showing toward her is just too much for her. She has to reject it. Because of what she believes about herself as being unlovable, she can't actually receive the love that this person, this affection that this man wants to, wants to give her. Well, the film becomes actually this journey, many different journeys, but her journey is this journey toward being able to receive and accept the fact that she is possibly lovable. And that only takes place because somebody showed her that that was true. By the end of the film, what begins in, in this place of her, of, of being down and out and completely consumed by these other things, is her, the very end, the last shot, as she's sitting on the bed with Jim, just telling her, look, this is who I think you are. You, to me, are a good person, and I want to be with you. Whatever you say about yourself isn't true. Here's what's more true. And the final shot is Claudia looking up into the camera, cracking a little bit of a smile. And as I think about our journey as Christians, our journey with God, is it possible that God is wanting to continually tell us, show us, reveal to us his love so that we might begin to believe that we are people whom God loves so desperately? That like Claudia, we can actually look up, maybe feel life for the first time, at least in a way we haven't before. Love has the power to transform, but not just any type of love, the love from God. Have you ever been to a wedding where the people aren't necessarily Christians, or not necessarily, the people aren't Christians, and so when they're giving vows, there's... There's this talk of love, but there's no rootedness in anything beyond that love. They're honestly like there are song lyrics, right? Have you ever had this experience where some of the vows are, are they're actually quoting lyrics from songs about love? Um, it, it is. It does feel laughable. We, it's, I've been to weddings where that's been the case, and I remember thinking, this just feels so hollow. And what is this love grounded in? Where is its roots? Because it just does seem like words. And even if there's, a, there's an attempt, a move, a desire toward commitment and covenant, what is the basis of any of that? First John Four says, do you want to know love? Then know the God who is love. Know the God who is love. I quote this guy a lot. His name is Eugene Peterson. Because he's a hero of mine. And he actually died this last year. And, and um, he's this, this pastor who 
is incredibly faithful, or who was incredibly faithful, to, to, to talk about Scripture, to talk about, to talk about God. Um, but I think one of the sweetest things I ever heard of him was at his memorial service, which you could actually watch. Uh, I read a transcript of it. His son, Leif uh, Peterson, had a moment where he, he began to talk about his dad. And he said that b- toward the end of his dad's life, he went to his dad and he's like, Dad, you fooled everyone. You fooled everyone into thinking that you gave a different sermon every single Sunday. But you only preached one sermon. There you are in your robe, acting like a magician, fooling the crowds, right? That, that you're so clever and creative. He's like, but I know your secret. There was only one thing that you wanted to say, and it was the same, man, and it was the same thing that I remember you telling me at night in bed, speaking to my, to my sleeping head for the, for the last 50 years, and it was this. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you, and he's relentless. That is the one sermon that Eugene Peterson preached over and over and over again in various ways. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he's relentless. Well, I don't want to fool you. This is my message. This is God's message to you. Today, God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he's relentless. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to hear. That's what we need to trust. In this God who is relentlessly loving. In this God who showed his love in the creation of the world. That out of this this Trinitarian relationship that the world is created. Have you ever wondered why God created anything in the first place? Was God just bored? What are we going to do today? Sun and moon. Water, (laughs) sky. Is, 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 Is that why God created the world? Or is it possible that God created out of his love so that he might show love. God's love is shown in that moment when his people, Adam and Eve in the garden, rebel against God, want to be their own gods. And they are naked, and they are aware, and they are ashamed, so they hide. And God is the God who goes into the garden calling, where are you? God is the God who's so loving that he rescues people from this oppressive, oppressive regime in order to call them and name him as his people, to be the people who will be blessings to the world. And over and over and over again, these people rebel, but God, the faithful covenant partner, is the one who is always there. God is so loving that it's expressed in this really weird, crazy story of the prophet Hosea, who, who is 
this prophet who is told to marry this prostitute, Gomer, who is constantly going out doing those types of things. And, and this person, Hosea, is going out constantly attempting and calling and trying to woo her back. And God says, so Hosea is to Gomer, so I am to you, Israel. You try and go. You try and remain unfaithful. Yet, I will go look for you. I will be there wooing you back. That is the love of God. The love of God is the love that is expressed to his coming to us in Jesus Christ. The one who is so infinitely compassionate. The one who heals. The one who forgives. The one who brings in the outcasts. The one who lifts up those who are oppressed. God's love is expressed in that parable that talks about this son who would rather his father be dead so that he can go out and do whatever it is he wants. And by the time he realizes that none of that is going to suffice and he finds himself in the troughs of pigs eating out of these things and he thinks, who am I? I need to go back home. And if at least I'm just a servant, that'll be fine. And when he returns, he sees that the father is running toward him. The God who has been waiting for his son to return and can't wait till he gets there but has to run toward him. The love of God is shown in the giving of his spirit that we might experience his presence and his transforming power now. Love of God is shown in the calling of people together to bear witness to that love. People who otherwise would not be together come together to bear witness to that love. The love of God is shown in the pages of Scripture that point to this future where all things will be made new. I mean, this, God loves you. God is for you. He's relentless. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what God wants us to know. And that is the place our spiritual lives begin. That is the place from which we are to jump off of into life with God. Not a grasping, not an attaining, not an attempt to get God to like us more, to love us more. He's already given every thing to you, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Over and over and over again, God has shown that he has loved us forever and all time. And nothing makes that untrue. The way you think about yourself doesn't make that untrue. The way that people might think about you doesn't make that untrue. What you think about other people doesn't make it untrue of those other people. God is love. It's not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. So I want to talk to two different types of people in closing. The first type of person is this type of person. You think you're outside of it. You think that there's no possible way. Maybe your past, maybe your present, maybe your belief, 
You think that somehow you, you have exhausted the limits of God's love, or you're just way out there, and it's not for you. You've removed yourself from the possibility of God's love because of how you have maybe lived your life or the choices you've made. But you're not outside of it. The person of Jesus, whom God, whom is the revelation of God and his love, shows you that even you, even you can taste the love, grace, mercy, forgiveness of God. And for you, if you're in this boat, if you think, you know what? You don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I am. Nobody loves me. I don't even love myself. There's no way God can even love, my, love me. I want you to hear these words again from Brandon Manning. It's a long quote, so it's not going to be up there. But if you need to hear this, listen to it. The compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God. And Jesus says to your heart and mind, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, pallid, wavering, moody, depending on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying that his gut was wrenched, his heart torn open, and the most vulnerable part of his being was laid bare. The ground of all being shook. The source of all life trembled. The heart of all love burst open, and the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian life and mine don't make any sense unless in the depth of our beings we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us, but knowing seeks us out whatever our poverty, whatever our pain. His plea to his people is, come now, wounded, frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. And I'll love you as you are, not as you should be. Because you're never going to be as you should be. Do you really believe this? With all the wrong turns you made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness, dishonesty, and degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Not the person next to you, not the church, not the world, but that he loves you. Beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity, that he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain, without caution, regret, boundary, or limit. No matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. Some of you need to hear that, that you are not beyond the limits of God's love. For others of you, you hear this and you think, but I just don't feel it. This sounds so good, and I think I used to be there. But right now I'm not, and I don't know what to do about that. In my head, I think I'm supposed to believe this. I'm supposed to just trust in it. But honestly, it's not doing anything for me. And if that resonates with you, I've been there. I have sat in those seats. Employed by this church. And I have wondered. Where are you? 
I'm supposed to say and, 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 and claim that this is true. And I want to, to be a voice of God's love to people, but God, I don't, I don't feel it. I know what that's like. And a sermon like this doesn't necessarily offer hope, but it can be in some ways very wounding. And so these stories of Scripture and God's love and the garden and with Israel and Hosea and Gomer and and Jesus and the prodigal son, you think, yes, I know those stories, and yet there is just this misfire, there's this disconnect. What I want to say is I understand, and I think that part of the Christian life is a part of these seasons where we, it feels so good, and then at times it feels like, is that real? So in, if you're there, here's what not to do. Just try harder. Here's not the way forward. You know, just, just believe. Just trust. That's all you need to do. I don't think that's the way forward. I think the way forward is in a posture of dependence to say, in honesty, say, this is where I am, and I don't want to be here, and God, I want to experience your love. And perhaps you've been praying that prayer for a long time, and you just can't stomach another one of those prayers. Well, I encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, is to invite other people into it. To let people know where you are in your journey. To say, look, this sounds great, and I used to be there, and I'm not anymore, and it freaks me out because I don't know what that means for my faith and my life with God. Well, perhaps this is an opportunity for you to be honest with somebody so that other people can be praying for you. So that other people might be able to hold your faith in this season when you can't hold on to it. I think of that story in the Gospels with the paralytic, right? Jesus is in this house and it's filled with people and there's this person who who can't get there. And so his friends, they put him on this um, this stretcher and they, they, they take him up to this roof and then they lower him into this roof to get close to Jesus and Jesus heals him on the basis of his friend's faith. You are healed because of their faith. I don't get that. That's astonishing to me. But sometimes we are on the stretcher. And sometimes we need people to carry us to Jesus. And sometimes we need people's faith to be faith when we don't have it. So that they can come to Jesus on our behalf. So it's possible that maybe, maybe, things might start to ring true again. So maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're on the stretcher, or maybe you're just trying way too hard. And I want to tell you, get on the stretcher and ask people to take you to Jesus. So for some, you need to hear today for the first time that God loves you. For some, you need to hear today, despite where you are, God still loves you. For those of us where this is just... 
Okay, great. This sounds awesome. No, this needs to seep down into the very core of our being. That God loves us. He is for us. He's relentless. That is where life with God is to begin. That is where transformation takes place. So in just a moment, there are going to be people at the sides who want to pray for you. Perhaps you heard something, a nudge, something you want to believe but don't, or something you just can't believe is true. But maybe, maybe, just maybe today, you're like, okay, I'll step out, have somebody pray with me about this. I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're in that second camp where you just need to let somebody in on your journey. I encourage you to do that now because people want to pray with you. You are not alone in your life with God. One of the ways that God reveals his love to us is through one another. It is through prayer. So I encourage you to take advantage of this time. I'd like to pray and ask that God would Give us the strength, as Paul prays, gives us the strength to comprehend the love that God has for us. Have you ever thought about that? That Paul prays that God would give us the strength to comprehend his love. We need God's help to believe his love. God, I ask that you would grant us the strength to comprehend how vast, how wide, how deep, how long your love is for us. No one sermon, no one conversation, no one thing can possibly communicate or articulate just how profound your love is. We need you to do that for us through the power of your spirit. And so I ask that you would to those people Father, whom you love, whom you've brought today, who have not tasted your love for fear that they are outside the limits of it, for fear that, they've, that they can ever be worthy of it, speak your words of compassion and mercy to them. For those who are afraid that, that they won't ever experience it in the same way again, and they're not sure what to do, with their faith as it stands. God, I ask that you would meet them there too. Thank you, Father, for being the one who loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen.